that we've been tracking this summer, looking at who God is, and not only like from a, an understanding like in our head, but then internalizing it, trying to make sense of, okay, God is a person. What does that mean to me? God is good. What does that mean? He's omniscient, and omnip- uh, omnipresent, and omniscient. What does that mean? What about justice and mercy? How does that apply to my life? And then last week, boy, God is holy. What does that mean for us? That there's got to be some change, some heart change inside of us. And this summer, we're trying to do something that is uh, incomprehensible. We're trying to comprehend an incomprehensible God. And we're discovering along the way some of his likes and dislikes, his thoughts, his reasonings. And how many would agree, those who have been tracking with us, it is not an easy task to do that. It stretches our mind and it, sometimes we leave with more questions than when we came. Other times there's answers that are, that are here, which is wonderful. But I want to just encourage you that this is a safe place to explore the things of God. And we will encourage you each and every week to walk out of here and not just to take my word for it or to, you know, to say, okay, well, Pastor Ben said it, it must be correct. But instead, to search the Scriptures and make it your own, and internalize it, and say, okay, God is holy. I'm called to be holy, for example. And along the way, we've said our goal, number one, is to think more about God. If you walk out of here, and you think more about God this week because of the message, I believe that's a success. If you're at work, or um, if you're going back to school soon, and you're, you're talking about the attributes of God, or it comes up in conversation around the dinner table, to me, that is a success because it's on our mind. The second is we want to desire more of Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that God is working in our lives, that we would become more like God. I believe healthy churches have a healthy understanding of who God is. Healthy individuals have a healthy understanding. And we are believing that our lives together will be changed forever as a result of this series. That's my heart, because our understanding of who God is, is being enlarged. And let me just say, if you feel like you're being stretched, if you feel like you're growing, you ought to share that with someone. That's an exciting thing. I've been talking with with many of you. That's something to be proud of, that you can say, man, I've really been challenged, or I've really sought out Scripture. And uh, let someone know. Share that with someone and bring them along the journey, because when you bring someone along in conversation, it really is a blessing to each and every one of uh, everyone that's involved. Well, today's attribute is uh, is unique. Uh, when it's compl- contemplated, when it's thought about, when it's meditated on, John Piper says it will make your mind go mad. How about that? This week, as I've studied. There's part of me that has wanted to skip right by this attribute and go on to love and God is faithful and God is grace, which all three of those are coming in the next several weeks. There's been this hesitancy. Uh, I've been troubled a little, uh, maybe confused if I could be honest and say that. I certainly have been challenged and I'm reminded that what we think about God and who he is really tells us a whole lot about ourselves. And there's no exception when it comes to this attribute. Today, we're going to look at the fact that God's Word describes God is sovereign. 
And I had to get, just be honest with you, I had to learn how to spell this word. I kept on spelling it wrong all, all week long until my final notes. And I'm like, what in the world? God is sovereign, sov, and then reign, all right? And, uh, and so, but that's neither here nor there. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 45. And we're going to start here and we're going to look at some verses here that kind of describe who God is, how he describes himself. This is God talking to Isaiah. And listen to what it says. Isaiah 45, verse 5 says this. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Hmm. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place where it's setting, men may know there is none beside me. And then he continues. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Hmm. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Verse 8 says, you, you heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. And then again it says, I, the Lord, have created it. Let's skip to verse 11. It says, this is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? God is saying here, he's saying, look, are you really going to question my goodness, my authority, get, question the way I've acted or the way I've ruled? And then he says in verse 12, it is I who have made the earth and created mankind upon it. My own hand stretched out to the heavens. I marshaled their starry host. And then he continues in the same uh, vein of thought. God is awesome. He is sovereign. He has supreme authority. And in this passage, every time God says, I am God, or I am the Lord, he is crying out, he's saying, I am sovereign. Now, sovereignty is not a word that we use all the time. Its root comes from the Latin, and it means super or superness, which I didn't even realize was a word until I was studying if you open your dictionary, there's words or phrases that describe sovereignty like this, as superior or greatest, supreme in power and authority, ruler, independent of all others. I like to say simply that God is sovereign, that God is in control. Everyone say that with me. God is in control. God is in control. And God answers to no one, no person, no group, no government. God alone answers to himself. That's it. And so God doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe me an explanation for my life or the things that have happened in my life. Sovereignty is ultimately an issue of power and of authority. And we've already talked about God's power, his omnipotence a few weeks ago. And so today we're going to focus more on the authority. Who is in charge? God does whatever he wants. He has the right to rule. Nothing can keep him from ruling. Even if all creation rebelled, one commentator said, against God, it would not affect his authority. Pretty awesome. God is self-contained. 
He is subject to no one. He is influenced by none. He, he does as He pleases, only as He pleases, and always as He pleases. God is totally sovereign. He's sovereign. God is in control. There's absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that is outside of His influence or authority. And God has no limitations. And there's a few verses I want to pull out of Scripture a few of these, uh, there's hundreds that talk about God's sovereignty, but I pulled these out in particular. And, and if you would, turn with me to Psalm 115. We'll start there. Psalm 115, verse 3 says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. Get your mind around that. God does whatever pleases Him. Turn with me also to Daniel, to Daniel chapter verse 35. It says, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. Boy, that's nice, right? But God does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? We do not have the right to question God in any area of our lives. God is sovereign. He is in control. Now, in Romans chapter 11, an interesting set of uh, scriptures, it's, it's called the doxology, we see it continues uh, in talking about God. In verse 33, it says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? And the answer is no one, right? Who, uh, or who has been his counselor? Uh, absolutely no one. Who has ever given to God uh, that God should repay him? Again, no one. Why? Verse 36, listen to this. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be the glory forever and ever and ever. God is in control, church, of all things and rules over all things. He has power and authority over nature over earthly kings, over history, over angels and demons. Did you know that even Satan has to ask permission before he can act? God is in control. Psalm 103, last verse that we'll look at here for, for a second, says this. I love it. It says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all over everything he rules over you and over me god is in control yahweh god is the only one who is sovereign he's the only one and by the way god must be all powerful and all knowing and all absolutely free to be sovereign and uh we don't have to worry about it because that god, that god would change and someday he'd switch and become evil uh, no god is good and he never changes we can rest in that but god in his in his sovereignty he's the only one that is sovereign that is ultimately sovereign now some of us would like to be sovereign we like to have more control how many know of a leader in your life? Or maybe we can think of government officials that would like the control. Or maybe friends at school or, or uh, neighbors. Or maybe a husband or a wife that, that likes to, uh, to have control. And they'd say, boy, I'd like to be uh, more sovereign. 
Or how about kids? Uh, they want to be sovereign. I've seen kids, and you've probably seen it too, um, at the grocery store, and uh, they want a little toy or whatever, and they will throw an absolute fit in order to get that toy. And they're saying, I'm in control. And until that mom or dad uh, gives in, how many know that it can be misery for everybody? And they're hiding behind cereal boxes and whatever, whatever else. But, but, and, and we've been there, okay? I mean, it, there's no condemnation. We've all been there. But kids, they want to be in control. Sometimes singles think that they're in control. They, they're saying, oh, I don't answer to anybody. Well, that's not really true. You answer to a whole lot of people, including our Heavenly Father. At home this week, I was thinking about the sovereignty of God. I think it was Tuesday night. We're sitting around the table. And uh, I said to Jessica, I said, Jess, I, I think I need a little more sovereignty around the house. A little more control. What I say goes, woman, right? <laughs> and Jessica, she basically looks at me and she says, good luck with that. Exactly that. <laughs> And guys, it doesn't work like that. And ladies, I'm not sure it works in the opposite way. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. But, um, but only God is sovereign. He's the only one in control. And when it comes to studying the sovereignty of God, uh, it's interesting. There's a theological puzzle that is raised. There's a problem that, is, that exists as you talk about it, and it takes people to either one side or the other, typically. If God controls everything, which is the fact established in Scripture and declared aloud by a logic of truth, A.W. Tozer says, there are two problems that are raised. The first problem is this. What about evil, pain, and death? If God is sovereign, He could have prevented theirs coming into existence. Why did He not do so? It will blow your mind when you think about it. How many know someone that experienced chronic pain in their lives? I know in our family, we do. Sudden death, where it's unexpected and we don't understand it. How about infant mortality? I was telling first service that uh, when I first got into ministry, uh, I was hired in May, and in July, it was the first time I was on call, and they gave me the, the emergency beeper <laughs> back in 1998. And uh, I was on call, and Jessica and I were out at the mall, and we, we got, the beeper went off, and so we had to go find a phone, didn't have a cell phone. And uh, we called, and in uh, a family in the church had, had just given birth to a, a beautiful baby, and then about four hours later, the baby didn't make it. And we have to show up and, and try to make sense of that. Why would God allow that kind of pain? Why does God allow drunk drivers to, 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 to be out and to, you know, when things, you know, negative things happen? How about slavery or, or sex trafficking, which is prevalent in America and across the globe? What about terrorism? God could have prevented all of that. And we discussed this a little bit a couple weeks ago when we said God is good. And we talked about how could God allow evil. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here and you're interested in kind of exploring some of those questions, to get online and listen to the entire message. But the simple answer this morning is that God did not want to create beings that would, um, that would be robots. Instead, He wanted to create beings that would choose to love Him, to obey Him, and to worship Him. And He knew the risk. He knew that if He allowed that, that there would be some that would choose evil. 
that would choose not to serve him. Which really leads to the second problem. Not only is there a problem of evil and pain and death, the second problem is the problem of free will. And as much as I wanted to not have to deal with this subject, um, uh, when you talk about God's sovereignty, you cannot escape the question of God or of, of free will. The question is, if God rules the universe by his sovereign decree, which we just established that he does, how is it possible for man to exercise free choice? If he's in control of every single thing, how can we make a choice? If God is in control, and if man cannot exercise freedom, which there are some that would believe that, freedom of choice, that's the extreme of predestination, and uh, that our choices are already mapped out, which, by the way, someone after first service said that really has a potential of hurting people, um, and uh, we'll talk about that maybe in a minute. But how can man be held responsible for his conduct if there's no choice? And this is about where my mind starts to spin. <laughs> and maybe you've been there. It's what's discussed at every college campus and maybe even in high school, secular or, or religious universities, is the question of free will, predestination versus free will. And we don't, it's hard to get our mind around it. And it's interesting that the church and church history has been divided into two neat camps, typically. Two lines of thoughts, following really two theologians primarily. The one is Jacobus Arminius, and the other is John Calvin. Just a quick survey, how many have heard of Arminianism or Calvinism? That's where these come from. Let me ask you this, how many of you would know which side of the fence that you lean more towards, all right? Maybe a few of you have taught, thought about it and, uh, and have discussed this. Well, most Christians are content to get into one camp or the other, and by doing that, especially if you take it to an extreme, you end up denying either the sovereignty of God or the free will of man. Is God in control of everything? From a macro stand- standpoint to the finest detail to the micro sense. And whether you're listening to John Palmer or Paul Washer or Joyce Meyer or David Platt or Billy Graham or Stanley Horton or Andrew Warmack, you name it, whichever theologian you enjoy to read or that you trust, each has a convincing, passionate opinion about predestination and free will. And sometimes they're completely opposite point of views interpreting the same scriptures. And again, it's hard to get our mind around. And I would ask you, what do you believe? Or what should you believe? And so this morning, since I'm up here and you're sitting there, I'm going to share with you what I believe. And I do believe that it's scripturally sound. Um, I do believe that there's probably holes in it, that it's not perfect, and I'm okay with that. And I just acknowledge that from right from here. Um, I love the verse in scripture, and I probably use it more than I should. But on this side of eternity, the scripture says we look through a dim glass. We do not understand completely. And the fact is, is Arminianism, Calvinism, 
Calminianism, if you try to combine them, it, it doesn't, it really, get, we're probably all off by some measure. And, uh, and at one point, in, when God comes for his church, we're going to see it all perfectly. And that'll be kind of fun. But this morning, I'm going to share with you some things that I believe. I believe that you can actually reconcile these two positions without doing violence to either one. And I, I really believe that. I believe that God has sovereignly decided, sovereign, that mankind would have the ability to exercise free will. I'm going to say that again. I believe that God has sovereignly decided that mankind would have the ability to exercise free will. And we see that in Scripture. You can't deny it, that from the beginning of time, there's been a choice between good and evil. From Adam and Eve to this very morning, we had choices this morning between good and evil. And man's will is free only because God is sovereign. Think about it. A God less than sovereign could not bestow moral freedom upon his creatures. He would be afraid to do so. And there's a picture that's kind of emerged this week for me that I think is helpful. And I'm just wondering how many of you have ever been on a vacation where you've uh, visited a cruise liner. And anyone ever been on a ship like this? Oh, isn't it glorious? What are we doing here? We should live on a cruise line. It's so much fun. And, uh, but Jessica and I, we've had the privilege to go on two different cruises on our 10-year anniversary and our 15-year anniversary a couple years ago. And boy, they're, they're a blast. But what's interesting is that when we stepped on to that cruise liner, the destination, okay, had been predetermined by the proper authorities, had been predestined to be a Caribbean but in both cases, Eastern and Western, two different ones, it was a Caribbean trip. It wasn't like I could get on and I'm thinking, hey, let's go to Alaska or let's go to the Mediterranean or let's go to Africa. No, there was a predetermined destination. Nothing could change that. And this, that's a faint picture of the sovereignty of God. It's a cruise liner. Our lives are like a ship. But The passengers on board are not in chains. We're not locked in our rooms where we have no choice. We can do as little or as much as we want. And that's the joy about being on a cruise line. You can eat, and then you can go take a nap. And then you can get up and eat again, and maybe read a little or talk, and then eat some more. Then go to a movie or watch a show and... You're going to eat and eat and eat. And that's just the, that's, that's the bottom line. But the, cho- the choices are almost unlimited. There is free will, free to move, all the while the ship is carrying us to the predetermined port. You guys tracking with me? That's our lives. Both freedom and sovereignty are present, and I don't see how they contradict. And I know there's probably holes in that, and someone smarter than me would probably you know, shoot it down. But let me just say, I believe it is possible that this is how God works. We can make good choices, we can make bad choices, but God is ultimately in control. So God, God's sovereign design, the ship, keeps a steady course over history. While mankind, the passenger, is responsible within history for his choices. Does that make sense? 
It makes sense to me, and I hope it does to you. So the question is, does man have any responsibility for his life choices? And I don't think if any one of us was put in a corner, I don't think any of us could say, no, we're not responsible at all. We are. The Bible says we're responsible. Choose today who will serve. But does that mean that man is in control? No. God is ultimately in control. He is. And if that's true, which I believe it is, and I believe it's a sound application of Scripture, there are two important implications that we can't escape. And the first one is this, that God, He has a plan. He has a plan and will accomplish His plan ultimately. And what's awesome about that in the ancient world, in Mesopotamia, in uh, Greece, and in Rome, all the other false gods, none of those gods would have had a plan or ever boasted of having a plan. But Yahweh God had a plan from the very beginning for His people and for us. And God has a plan, I believe, for the universe, for the world, for every star in the sky, to every speck of dust in this room. God has a plan. He has planned for government, for leaders, world leaders, national leaders, state leaders, local leaders. I believe God has a plan for the lakeshore, right where we live here in West Michigan. I believe God has a plan for the Gateway Church. I believe He has a plan for your family. I believe He has a plan for each and every one of you. In fact, I'm going to give you an assignment. I wish we had the time this morning to look at it, but Ephesians chapter 1. Write it down. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, talks about God's predetermined plan for our lives to serve Him and to surrender our lives to Him. And you cannot read that and escape that, that God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. Now, a question in that is, is God's will, is His plan always accomplished? I don't think so. Look at what 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says. It says that God does not want anyone to perish. And we know people every day that slip into eternity that don't make a decision. So it's possible that God's will, His plan, does not always come true. But He's still in control. He's still in control. And what's great about that is He gives us second chances and third chances he is quick to forgive us no matter where we are in our lives. It's, if you've jumped off the boat, so to speak, and saying, boy, I just want to be on my own, he's still with us. If you feel like your boat has come to a stop, uh, he's still with you. If, if it seems like pirates have sabotaged your boat and you know, caused havoc with your life, he's still right there with you. He is still in control. God has his hand over history and he has his hand over your life. God has a plan. Do you believe that? He has a plan. But the second is interesting. Not only does God have a plan, the second implication that's important is that we are responsible. We are responsible for our actions and our attitudes and our relationships and our responses. And some people hate to hear this. It would be easier to say, Boy, God's in control, and I have nothing to do with it. Some would love to live that way, and it's a great error to live in a passive sense, saying, well, 
God is in control. What can I do? It's going to happen anyway. No. The fact is, is that God has given us His Word. He's given us wisdom. And we are to be wise, choosing day by day, moment by moment, sometimes second by second. We're to choose. We are responsible. And if you play that card... It's really playing on the sovereignty of God, saying, oh, well, God ultimately is in control. What, what could I do? Some people would say, well, on an extreme, uh, saying, boy, I, I believe in predestination, that every single thing is planned by God, that, uh, that you know, I have no choice. Well, they would say, well, why would you even pray, right? Why pray if God already knows and if he's already figured it out and he's, already, he's in control completely? Well, number one, God tells us to pray. Right? And so that's an important reason why. But it really kind of begs the question, why would you eat? Because he's already predetermined your day of your death. And you're saying, okay, all right, well, I'm going to eat. Um, and so maybe I should pray or maybe I should, maybe I am responsible. Maybe there is a partnership. And it's interesting that in the whole idea of God's sovereignty, there's a graph that kind of has been pictured that I've been encouraged to kind of embrace um, from Dr. Adams, uh, a, a friend of mine. And he's saying, look, put in one side, on the one side, the left side, put control. There's things that we have control over. And on the other side, there are things that we cannot control, no matter who we are. Let me give you two examples. I gave three first service, and I'm not going to do that again. Um, but let's talk about the first one. How about the weather? The wind, the rain, snow, you know, the sea, the, the tides, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, you name it. How many know you and I cannot determine the weather? That's Mother Nature. That's God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit at work. He is in control of that. We are, that's out of our control. But on the other side, God makes us responsible we are responsible, and he's given us wisdom to deal with some of those things. My parents, for example, live in South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale area, and they live close enough to the coast that it is required not only by the city, um, but, um, but their, their insurance requires that their house has what they call storm shutters or hurricane shutters. And we've been down there before where we've seen houses with storm shutters up, and you can't see, it darkens the house. It's really kind of freaky. It looks like a ghost town. It's very interesting. But when, the, when there's threat of hurricanes coming in, they require the city for people to use those things. There's things that they can control. How about one that might be closer to home with healing? Whether it's a common cold or cancer, or you've got a bad knee or a bad back, or you fill in the blank. When you need healing, how many know only God is the healer? There's no man that can heal. Only God can control that. But there are things that we can control. If we've got a cold, we can drink lots of water. We can eat right, take vitamin C. If we've got a bad knee or bad back, we can do appropriate exercises to strengthen those areas to get some relief. If we have cancer, there's, there's different treatments that are available. And we have some things we can control. And ultimately, what I want you to see is that there's a partnership with God. There's a partnership with God. 
And there are things that God has sovereignly, that he's sovereignly over, but we get to partner with him in our own lives. And that's exciting. God has a plan, but I am responsible to carry out that plan. Does that make sense? I hope so. And for me, when I sat with that this week, and I was you know, late in the week by the time I kind of got to that point, you know what? There was a great peace that kind of came over, over, my, uh, over the office and just saying, wow. And I had read earlier when we were talking about God is good, and I had wrote it down, and I didn't put where I was from, so I don't remember where this came from. But there was a quote that said, the more we grow in our Christian life, it gets simpler because we are less inclined to say, why did God allow this or that? And I know there's some, that, some senior saints that have kind of lived that and tried and true, and you've tested it. And would you agree that there's a, there's a peace that comes knowing that God is in control? There's a peace that comes in our lives when we say, okay, God, you are ultimately driving the ship. Yes, we have responsibility, but you are in control. There's a divinity that shapes our ends, so to speak. And you know, and it applies to our lives. And we were thinking about that this week and, and uh, just different things. It was kind of fun to talk about. And uh, I was, Jessica and I, we had the opportunity to go to Grand Rapids. We went out to eat and uh, we were out. And, you know, you could kind of take this whole sovereignty thing and say, boy, God, you're in control. Why do you allow all these different things? Well, something happened to me. We were going, coming out of, uh, after we ate, and uh, we're going to pay the parking garage guy. And, um, and we come up, and there's a big gate, that kind of a big wooden gate like this. And the gate is up like this. And so we walk up, and I grab my wallet, and I'm standing there like this. And I'm like, hey, how much are we going to owe for the, you know, for the time that we've been here? And it's dark, and all of a sudden, the gate comes down, and I don't know if you guys noticed, and hit me right in the forehead. Like, boom, and then it goes back up. Like, if it hit a car, it'd go back up. And I'm like staggering around. I'm like, what in the world just happened? I was stunned. It kind of hurt. I had a headache that night. And the next morning, I'm like, what in the world? And, you know, people, they could be like, God, why did you allow that to happen? And I'm saying, really? I mean, you can ask that if you want. But for me, I'm just like, wow, that was crazy. Um, And it just, things like that happen. But there are two verses that really help me in this whole thing that give me not only peace, but the first one is in Romans chapter 8. We've got to look at this together. Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 28 through 31. We'll uh, look at um, 38 or 28 uh, specifically first. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That what it's saying there is that God, he wants what's best for you. He good things for those that love him. And then it goes on. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Wow, that's great. That he might be the firstborn among the brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then the question, what then shall we say in response to this? What should we say in response to God's goodness, the fact that he's got a plan for us? What does it say? If God is for us, then who can be against us? God has good things in store for you 
and for me. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it. I, um, God has great plans for us, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, to give us hope, to give us future, not to harm us. God has his hand on our lives. Jessica and I, we were reflecting on this at, at lunch yesterday, sitting there, and we were, just, we were just saying how thankful we are. We were talking about you know, our lives, and this whole sovereignty thing has really challenged me, and I've been thinking about it a lot, so I brought it up at, at lunch, and I was, we were talking, and I was like, boy, it was quite a risk at 19 years old and 20 years old to get married, and we look back at that, and we're like, what in the world are we doing, you know? You ever felt like that, Matt? <laughs> you got married when you are 19, too, and it's like, you know, wow, and you know, 17 years later, we can look back, and we can look and say, wow, we've been through some hard times. But God's hand, God's sovereignty, has, His hand has been upon me and our family. And I really believe that. And some of you can, can attest to that. And I was thinking about that and reflecting on that this week. And I wrote down, in, in, just in my notes, and I wrote it several times. I said, God, you're so good to me. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. I think I wrote it three times. And I was just kind of meditating on that, just saying, God, I'm so thankful. Jessica and I, we're so thankful for what God has allowed us to experience, how God's hand has been upon us. And then as I was, as I was thinking, it, it was like God said. He didn't say it in an audible voice, but he said, Ben, you don't even know. <laughs> we don't even have a clue how much of the time God is orchestrating things that we don't even see. He's setting things up, what he has for you and what he has for me. And I just was rested in that. And there was great peace that came over my spirit. And I pray that it would come over you this morning to rest in the sovereignty of God, that yes, God has a plan. We can rest in that, but we are also responsible. And Brendan, as you come, I want you to understand that this applies to almost every area of our lives. I think every area of our lives. The first area that I wanted to highlight as we close is in the area of salvation. God gives us a choice. But His plan is clear. We read it in in 2 Peter that He plans that no one would perish. That's His heart. That's what He desires for you. In fact, He wanted that so much that He sent His Son, God did, to be a pauper among us to live and to breathe and to, be, to come to a place where he would sacrifice his life. And what's interesting is you read that account and as you understand, embrace that account, God, he gave it all on our behalf. But we have a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And the question is, is God the sovereign authority in your life? Have you given him control over your life? And that's something we all have to contemplate. And this morning, my heart is that there would be not one of you here this morning that would walk out of here rejecting God's grace and his mercy and his salvation. But it's your choice. We're going to offer that choice in just a moment to respond. But then there's another peace to this. In God's plan, if our life is like a ship indeed, and we're the passengers on that ship, it's very possible that we've given our hearts to the Lord. We're on the ship. The destination, our destination is is confirmed. 
where we're headed, but we're screwing around some way. We're messing up or we're, maybe we've jumped off the boat or what, whatever the case might be. And there's sin in our lives. And the question is, is, are you right with God right now? Or are there things in your life that need to be addressed, that need to be brought into the light to let God work on and to say, okay, God, I know I'm responsible, but I'm going to give you control. We're going to do this together. See, so often people, they, they, they're at odds with a heaven, with a loving heavenly father. And this morning, God wants to get a hold of your heart and say, hey, let's do this together. We're a partnership. We're a partnership. And ultimately, I think each and every one of us need to answer the question, what is God speaking to you? What is God speaking to me this morning in regards to his sovereignty? See, God, he is speaking to each of us in different areas. And he loves us. And he may be speaking to someone over here and something totally different over here. And he has the ability to do that. He's then what is our response to that and to his sovereignty? Have you tried to live your life controlling? Yeah, I'll surrender parts of my life to God, but not giving full control. Where are you this morning, and what is God speaking to you? And I'd love for you to address that. With your head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around this morning. The first thing is, in regards to salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if you've not surrendered and said, God, come into my life, don't walk out of these doors. Don't walk out of this room without getting right with God. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And the choice is ours. You have the choice to either surrender to God's will for you, what he has predestined for you, that, to, to choose him, to serve him, to love him, to obey him, to worship him, or you can choose to reject him. But I'm just saying, don't reject him any further this morning. Surrender your heart to Jesus. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And this morning, if that's you, you're saying, boy, that's where I am today. I need to surrender my life to the Lord. Would you just slip up your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But this morning, I'd love to track with you. We actually have a gift for you this morning that, that would help you track uh, to, in your steps towards uh, believing in, in Christ. Who this morning would respond saying, boy, that's where I am. I need Jesus as my Savior. second here. I want to belabor it, but if the Lord is stirring inside of your heart and your heart is pounding, saying, boy, that's what I need to do, would you respond this morning? I don't know everyone here. I want to give you that opportunity. Do you need Jesus in your life today? Would you slip up your hand so we can pray? As your heads continue to be bowed and eyes closed, 
guess is that each of us have people in our lives that we are either curious about their salvation or we flat out know that they don't serve God. And could we just for a moment let the Holy Spirit bring those people, maybe one or two, to our mind and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to bridge that gap, to bring them to a place of decision with love, not to beat them over the head. See, my heart as the pastor here is that there would not be a Sunday that would go by without someone giving their heart to the Lord. If you've been around, we, you know that we give an invitation every single week to see if someone's ready to make that decision because it's the best decision. It's the most important decision in our lives. So would you let God just birth in you just a passion to, to be burdened and pray for those in our lives that are far from the Lord. Lord, help us. And as we continue with our head bowed and eyes closed, this is very serious. It is possible that you are on the ship, the right ship. You've asked Christ into your life and you're headed in the right direction. But amidst that, the free will of this world has caused you trouble. And there's things in your life that if the light was shown on it would be embarrassing things that would be disgraceful would be painful experiences things you've said places you've been things you've watched and the Lord is calling you saying hey let's work together if you are here this morning you're not right with God right now would would you just honestly just slip up your hand Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. But who would respond saying, boy, that's where I am today. I need God. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sure. Who else? Yeah, yeah. There's no shame. You can put your hand down. Sure. Who else this morning saying, boy, that's where I am. That's where I am. Yeah. I mean, God, he wants to take us from those moments and challenge us to live our lives in partnership. Yes, God's in control, but we are responsible. It's a partnership. As we consider the sovereignty of God this morning, can I ask the question, what is God speaking to you in particular as believers, as saints? What is God speaking to you? And what are some next steps for you to share or to contemplate or to get your mind around. What would God be sharing? What would God be encouraging you? And I'd like to just take a moment this morning before we run, run and hustle off just to sit with that question, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Right in our own seats here, God, I pray that you'd yourself. Speak, Holy Spirit. We're open to your call, to your will. Lord, we declare that you are in control, but you want to work with us. Lord, we give you control over every area of our lives. 
over our finances, over our marriages, over our schoolwork, over our extracurricular activities, over our relationships. God, that you are in control. There's nothing, Lord, that would stand between you and us. sovereignty, but also not just to be so far to one side that our choices don't matter. Help us to to understand our personal responsibility and that it's a partnership. And God, there's got to be a balance in my mind. And God, I pray that we would embrace that as individuals. And God, I pray that we would recognize just how great you are and how awesome you are. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. Lord, go before us, behind us, and all around us. And we'll pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's just sing the song together as we close. And let's get the words back up there, all right? Amen.